Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the series, Friendships. We'll consider the different kinds of relationships and anchor our hope in Jesus, the Chief Orchestrator. We hope that you enjoy this message. So we are starting a new series tonight uh, called Friendships. Uh, but before we do so, did you guys enjoy the word last week? Where's Pastor Kelvin? Help me thank Pastor Kelvin. He's in the back. What a humble servant. From the microphone now to the sound booth. Wow. If that isn't a David story, God bless you. Thank you so much for everything he's done. You guys enjoyed it? God's standard time. I tuned in a little bit and I was watching. Powerful revelation. We got some powerhouses in this church and uh, I can't wait to see them in the next five, ten years to see where God is going to take each and every one of them. It's going to be incredible. But for tonight, uh, we're going to get into the word friendships volume two. Last year, November, we went into uh, friendships and we spoke about a few things uh, pertaining to Adam and Eve and the, the, the role of a man, the role of a woman. And um, we got into a bunch of stuff. Uh, this time, we're going to really create some good foundation so we can have a good discussion on friendships. And so some of you guys that weren't there can catch up. This is our relationship series for the month of November. Uh, if you didn't know, it's the, the beginning of coughing season. Um, and so we... <laughs> For those who didn't know, it's, it's, you know, the moment the snow gets down, draft days close, it's now cuffing season. And so I have to be able to preach according to the times. And so because it is cuffing season, we're getting it into <laughs> four good weeks solid. Uh, talking about relationships, we'll have a panel. Uh, next week, I'm going to preach a sermon called Spark and Sparkle. It's going to be amazing. You can't miss it. Um, and we're going to have an open panel. Different games are going to play. It's going to be really awesome for this next four weeks. Um, and so get ready for what is going to happen here at this church. Don't you love the church you belong to? Amen. You have some church pride. Come on, let me hear you. Just give God a good shout. Turn to two people say you belong to a good church. Belong to a good church. When I was 17, actually no, when I was 13 years old, I met a girl. Pastor, what a way to start a sermon. Where's the scripture? Oh, I'm preaching. Don't worry. When I was 13 years old, 13 or 14, I met a girl. I loved her. Loved her. At least I thought I loved her. Loved her. (laughs) I loved her. I loved her for the time being. She was awesome. She was cute. Um, oh, did you know her? <laughs> uh, she was, she was, she was everything. She was amazing. I've been crushing on this girl uh, ever since we were kids. Thirteen years old. She finally moved around. I said, "I'm gonna finally make my move." Uh, we went down to go and see her. Um, she didn't live around these parts at that time. I was, I was still in the GTA. Went to go and see her. Uh, I remember one time I couldn't even talk because I was so nervous because I finally had the opportunity and the shot to be able to see her in person. I was so nervous that I gave her a song and I said, listen to those long song lyrics. Whatever the guy is saying in the song is how I feel about you. I don't, <laughs> don't look at me. You've done it before. Some guys have done it before. Just listen to this song. This is the way I feel about you, babe. I gave her the song. The girl listened to 30 seconds of the intro. She said nothing. It's not saying anything. Took the, <laughs> took the music away, went to bed. It was tired. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I pursued this girl for like four years. (laughs) I was so into her. I pursued her for like four years. Like just, I just, I just want to be with you for like four years. So I think this time I was like 17, 18. 
And, um, you know, by God's grace, you know, there was a small, small glow up, you know. So the glow up was coming slowly but surely, you know. And so I was getting better clothes. My clothes were fitting better now. You know, things, boys, boys were getting better, you know. So uh, I remember at this time, Pastor Ryan, don't laugh because he knows this story. That's why. And um, uh, we had gone to a conference, I think, and, and I'd met her. And we were on our way back home. The moment we got back to Ottawa at the time I was living here, I received a text message, and this text message was basically her pouring her whole heart out, saying, I've loved you for the last four years. I've just been so shy. I couldn't tell you. I'm like, so you made me hustle. You made me buy you things. You made me play songs. You made me do all this stuff, and you liked me the whole time? So <laughs> we're having a conversation today. So she's like, no, nah, like I was really feeling you. I've been feeling you, so on and so forth. I think it's the first time I'm telling this story. Uh, I've been really feeling you and, and whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. So we start talking. All right, we start talking. We're talking. Month one, it's fine. Long distance type of thing. Month two, it's fine. Month three, it's fine. And then, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I love the thrill of the chase, but when I got in there, it wasn't as sweet as I thought it'd be. So it's like it was so appealing to look at. But the moment I got there, I realized that everything that glitters is not gold. And, and, and I realized that if you want the gold, you got to dig to the end and the bottom. Because gold just doesn't lie on the top of the surface. You have, if you want it, you got to dig for it. So, I haven't even started my message. This is just, I just want to tell you this story. And so, uh, three months in, I'm like, yo, it's good, but... You know, it's not what I thought it would be. And so I didn't want to be this type of guy. You know, God delivered me. Uh, I, was, I was way worse. But I said, listen, I don't know how else I'm going to break this news to her. I didn't want to be uh, generic. I didn't want to be cliche. But the situation left me no choice. I had to say the same statement that you hear all the time on movies. And what's that? It's not. It's. I'm preaching, it's not you, it's me, for the next 25 minutes. Um, just say that out loud. Say, it's not you, it's me. Friendship, how do you define it? Number one, a, per, a friendship, a friend is a person who knows, uh, a, pres- a person whom one knows and with whom uh, one has a bond of mutual affection. Typically exclusive uh, family relations or sexual relations, you have a type of connection to that individual. Within friendships, we then find what we call relationships. Relationships um, is basically the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected or the state of being connected. Somebody say, I am connected. So we have different types of relationships. We have the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father, the relationship that we have with our peers, relationship we have with our friends, relationship we have with our parents, um, a parental relationship. Uh, For the next four weeks, we're going to be dealing with romantic relationships or erotic relationships or um, non-platonic relationships for the next little while. And we're going to talk about this in the concept of the word. Are you ready for this? All right, so... When we talk about romantic relationships, we talk about a relationship between a man or a woman. You're talking basically about two people who have made a decision, who have made a connection, who have made a bond to be able to say, we're going to be together in this thing 
um, uh, forsaking all others. Of course, you know that there's different realms of relationships with individuals. Of course, you have the courting phase, the dating phase, the marriage phase. In this next four weeks, we're going to talk about all of that. So today, I'm primarily dealing with the first aspect, which is the dating phase, and then we'll get to uh, marriage. But nonetheless, they all kind of fall within this, this playground of relationships. Uh, basically, relationships is ultimately coming into covenant with somebody to say that I want to be able to be covenanted to you, um, and I want to forsaken all others, and I want to go the long haul with you. And so if you look at what a covenant is, I just want to put these down so that when I begin to fly, it will make sense to you. What a covenant is, a covenant basically presupposes that two or more parties who come together, they come together to make a contract, all right? Two or more parties coming together to make a contract, agreeing on promises, stipulations, privileges, and responsibilities. In other words, a covenant is the word that God has given you that is hanging over your head. That's basically what it is. A covenant is something that's an agreement. It's a contract that can come into contact with man and divinity or man and man. So if you look at it, there's three general types of covenants. I want you to write these three things down, all right? There's three general types of covenants. Number one, there's a covenant that you make with people. The covenant that you make with people. It's the first thing. You can tell somebody, listen, I'm with you for the long haul. I'm with you. A covenant you can make with your wife. You're a husband-to-be. A covenant you can make with a friend. Look at David and Jonathan. They had a strong bond. It was a covenant. He had a covenant brotherhood, a covenant sisterhood, a covenant relationship. So the covenant you make with people, number one. Number two is the covenant that you make with God. You'll, you'll find sometimes in your life you'll be like, listen, uh, God, I'm covenanting with you. Uh, for this specific task or I'm covenanting with you for 21 days of fasting it's a covenant that I'm coming to contact with you for um, uh, many times when I talk to my dad about it he says that uh, when it comes to people he's 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 always wary of of individuals that sometimes when we come into contact and um, when we make a covenant with God because making a covenant with God is saying this that listen uh, I, I'm putting myself on the line that if anything should happen, I'm being held responsible because I made the covenant with you. Now, the last covenant that you can make, number three, is the covenant that God makes with man. That's the last one. So the one you make with people, the one uh, uh, that you make with God, but then there's a covenant, that one that God makes with people. Are you following me? You still with me? The one that God makes with people. So if you look through the scriptures, you'll find there's different types of covenants that God makes with people. The first one you can look at is the Davidic covenant. It's the covenant that God made with David. God told David in 2 Samuel, build me a temple. Build me a house. That was a covenant. We call it the Davidic covenant that God has come into contact with him. Number two, you look at the covenant that God had with Israel. You look at, he said, listen, these are the Ten Commandments. This is my covenant towards you. This is the covenant that I'm making with you. Now, if you look at John 6, 63, just really briefly, the Bible says that the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So that means that when God makes a covenant with somebody, it also means that the enemy can also make covenants with people. Do you believe that? Anybody believe that? The enemy can make covenants with individuals. That's why you have demonic covenants and you have heavenly covenants. You have covenants that are divinely ordained and then you have covenants that are demonically endorsed. So there are different types of covenants, and it will, it, will, it will have you baffled that sometimes the moment we come into covenant with God in a supernatural way, the enemy is also working overtime because he wants to make sure that the covenant you've made with God, you will take step back and retreat from what you've said you were going to do and commit to God. 
And so this whole thing is in a constant battle. You have to understand covenants because without understanding covenants, you won't understand relationships. Because relationships are covenants. Are you still with me? Am I still your pastor? I'm still here. <laughs> so the first thing that you want to take down from this series, a nugget, that, if you will, that you want to take down um, is this very point, is that in relationships, in order to know who, like everybody's basically saying like, who is going to be my mister or my missus? Or once I do find them, how am I going to maintain that? Now, in the next following weeks, subsequent weeks to follow, I'll talk about how to maintain some relationships. But I want to talk about, firstly, how to even enter into relationships. Uh, the first thing that a lot of people ask is, who will I get married to? Who will I be with? Who will be the one that I will spend my rest of my life with? Who is my destiny partner? Who is, who is, who is going to be there for me for the long haul? The first thing you have to know in relationships is this, that in order to know who, you, you must first know what. In order to know who, you must first know what. And when I talk about what, what I'm talking about is in order to firstly know who, you must also, uh, before that, you must also understand what. And by what I mean, the word that is on your life. The word that is on your life. Because once you understand the covenant that God has made with you, because God can make a covenant with people. He can make a covenant with a family. He can make a covenant with a church. He can make a covenant with anybody and anything he chooses to make a covenant with, with a nation. So when God says that he wants to make a covenant with you or you've entered into a covenant relationship, God has given you a promise. Another word for a covenant is a promise or a contract or, or a purpose. We've heard that word before. When God wants to give you your purpose or reveal your purpose to you, the first thing we must understand before we enter into relationships is this, is God, before I know who, what? I know I want to first enter into something, but what have you created me to do? Who am I in your eyes? Before I know what I'm after, before I know who I'm after, I have to know what word is hanging on my life. What is the word that you have upon my life? Because believe it or not, the word that is hanging on, on your life will actually change everything about you. When you begin to understand who you are, who God has created you to be, what you carry, the anointing upon your life, you have to answer some conversations like this. I, yes, in my mind and in my soul, I like you, but my word on my life won't permit me to come into covenant with you. Do, do you get what I'm saying? I, I don't want to preach about Adam and Eve. and I want to talk to you about what relationships actually are. There are contracts. When you walk down the aisle, it's so beautiful. You come with your wedding gown and you come with your tuxedo. After everything, what do they do? They go to the side and they sign a marriage contract. It is literally an agreement to say, you are now taking my name. Or if, if, you're, if you're the man, you're now, the female is now taking your name. And you guys are now into covenant. You're coming into agreement. And so, firstly, in order for us to determine who we are with, we have to determine who we are. And that is revealed by the power of God and through the knowledge of God. You with me still? So, yes, I know I want to be with you, but the word of my life won't permit me. So we spoke about David's covenant, Israel's covenant. Now we're going to take our anchor scripture out of Genesis 17, and we're going to look about at the Abrahamic covenant um, and what God spoke to Abraham about in this story. Genesis 17, 1 to 8. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible says this. 
um, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. It says this in verse 2. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to make you into a mighty nation. At this, Abram fell face down in the dust. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. This is my covenant. I will make you the father of not just one nation, but a multitude of nations. Who's receiving this right now? I said, I will make you a father of not just one nation, but a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. Who needs a name change right now? It says, it will no longer be Abraham, but now your name will be known as Abraham. For you will be a father of many nations. He says, I will give you millions of descendants who will represent many nations. Kings will be amongst them. Verses 7, I will continue this everlasting covenant between us, generation after generation. It will continue between me and your offspring forever. And I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Yes, I will give you all this land of Canaan to which you, uh, land of Canaan to you and to your offspring forever. And I will be their God. Come on, somebody give God praise for that reading of the word. Oh, you can do better than that. Clap like your hands are yours. This Bible scripture, super simple, just simply talking about the covenant that God has made with Abraham. God was trying to tell Abraham who he was, what he's created him to do, and the covenant that he had. His covenant involved land. It involved, this is the land that I'm taking you to. This is what I'm going to take you to conquer. So Abraham was clear on what God has spoken to him to do. The first thing we have to understand as individuals, young adults, millennials, trying to date, trying to get into relationships, trying to find out who's the one, trying to find out if he's going to rip you off, he's going to be there for the long haul. You want to know if he's real or if she's real or if it's, if it's something that is ordained by God, is to firstly understand why am I created? Why have I been created? What is my purpose? What is my mandate? What is the word that is hanging upon my life? What God have you created for me? I need two guys up here and bring two of the envelopes with you as you're coming up here. What is the purpose for which you have created me to do? I want you to just tap your neighbor and say, what's your purpose? Tap to somebody else. Say, what's your purpose? You just stand in the light a little bit. I want you to hang these. Just put them over your head. Give them one and just put them over your head. All right. So when you understand this, I want to be able to explain this. Come forward. Come forward. So here we have Pastor Nana. He's sharp, isn't he? Very sharp. Here you have Pastor Sam. He's sharp. Sharp. Very sharp guy. Now hold them over your head. Hold them over your head. All right. Exactly. I want you to hold them over here. I want you to, uh, actually, let's come to the side so that they can, they can really see. I want you to understand this and visually be able to see what happens when we enter into covenant. Okay? This is what begins to happen. So, when God brought you into this world, God didn't bring you into this world without a purpose or without a word. God brought you here. The Bible says that the word that God speaks are spirit and life. The Bible says that his word to us is yes and amen. That means it's surely going to come to pass. It means that when God brought you through this world, when he brought you into this world, he brought you here with a covenant. He made a covenant with you. He made a promise with you. He made, he, he plighted his troth to you already before you came to this earth. So you have a word hanging on your head. Each and every one of you are walking around here, but you have a promise on your head. You have a word on your head. 
Some of you have a word of being a billionaire. It's on your head. Like some of you have the word of being an inventor. It's on your head. Some of you, God has promised you, given you covenant, given you a, a promise that you are going to go to your PhD. Some of you are going to be doctors. Some of you are going to pass your exams. God has given you words already. He's given you promises. He's given you words. He's told you things even before you were born in your mother's womb, before you were formed. He already called you. He ordained you like the Bible would say in Jeremiah. So he knows the plans he has for you. That's why he sent you to this world is to fulfill his mandate that he has in your life to see that outside here in the world. Am I together? Are we together? And so you have a word hanging on your life. He too, Pastor Sam has a word hanging on his life. Okay, so now this is what's going to happen. So pertaining to say that you were a female, okay, we're going to use this for this example. To say that you were a female for this example, all right? You have a word on your life, he has a word on his life. Now, this is what begins to happen. Actually, for this analogy, let's get a female. If a female can come up here, it would make more, more sense. JC, come up here. Clap for her as she comes. Give it to her so that it makes, it makes sense so we understand this. So you have a word on your life, she has a word on her life. Now this is where the problem starts. Is that instead of us engaging God in prayer for the word on our life to manifest in us, to germinate in us, for God to explain it so that we can receive it, what we do is that we enter into covenants with people. Just hold hands, just hold hands for a second. We enter into covenants with people without the knowledge of what God has said about us. Am I, am, I making, am I making sense? We enter into covenants and so what happens is we start talking and falling in love in the soulish, but we have not asked God about what his plans are concerning my life. What is your covenant? What is the word concerning my life? Now, I'm not even talking about her life because the, the, the sermon I'm preaching tonight is, is it's not you, it's me. Because before you can understand her, you got to understand you. So before you can understand him, you must understand yourself. And so before you can even engage in covenant, who has God created you to be? What's the word on your life? What is the plans for your life? What has God spoken to you about? What has he told you in the secret place? What has he told you on your knees? What has God spoken to you? You have to know. You have to know. You have to know. It doesn't have to be fully developed, but at least have a blueprint. At least have a blueprint. Oh, we're having a conversation. Is that all right? Can we just talk? At least have a blueprint. At least understand, okay, this is where God is taking me. I haven't seen the whole vision because this is where some of us also fail is I need to see the full vision before I can engage in conversation. But sometimes God is saying, I've shown you a glimpse of the future. Now you need to just work it out. As you continue to walk, I'll continue to give you grace. You see? So he ha you have a plan on your life. You have a purpose on your life. She has a purpose on her life. Now you can put those down for a second. I know your hands are tired. Put them down. Just stand right there. And so, as you understand this analogy, uh, if you go on to verses 9, you'll understand this. Now, you have to understand that each covenant comes with sacrifice. There is no covenant, there's no contract that does not come with sacrifice. Even when you enter into a, a contract with somebody and the contract is 50-50, you're taking 50, but you're sacrificing another 50. There's no contract that doesn't come without sacrifice you still with me and so if you look at this next verse the bible says this then god said to abraham your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant yes the covenant has terms it says you and your descendants have this continual responsibility 
says this covenant that you and your descendants must keep. It says each male amongst you must be circumcised. So it says in order for this covenant to now actually work, there has to be a sacrifice. That's just the way that it works. In order for this covenant to come into fruition, there has to be a sacrifice. There's something that, that has to happen. What is a sacrifice? Dad explained it a couple of weeks ago if you were in the service. A sacrifice is very simply is when you begin to take, back in the olden days in the Old Testament, they would take animals and it would split them into two. And, and then, you know, Dad explained it, how the fire goes between the two of them and he explained the whole sacrifice and how that is. But essentially, it's bringing something before God. That's what a sacrifice is. It's just bringing something before God. That's a sacrifice. It's giving up something that is of you so that he can fill in a chunk of him in you. That's sacrifice. It's giving up so that you can receive something that God wants you to receive. And so in this, in this scripture talking about Abraham, talking about this covenant that Abraham is having, the Bible says it very simply. That yes, I'm going to give you the land. Yes, I'm going to give you everything. Yes, this is my covenant with you. Your descendants will serve me. But yes, this contract, this covenant comes with terms. And the terms is that there must be blood. The terms is that there must be a sacrifice. The terms is that it won't always be pretty. Now, I began to ask God. I said, God, what is it with covenants? And God began to speak to me. God said that, Kof, it's not every covenant that I enter into with people that is always pretty. We always think that entering into covenants with God is like, all right, God, this is what you said to me. All right, I take this. This is my word. But sometimes entering into a covenant comes with attack. Have you ever made a decision to really walk with God? The moment you do, attacks begin to come. Like, it's like the moment you said yes to Jesus, it's like your enemies, your naysayers knew that you made a decision. It's like they felt it in their bosom. Yes, you made a decision to follow Jesus. We're going to start hating on you. Like it's, it's like an alarm goes off or something. You see, when, when you get serious with God, that's when all the attacks begin to break out. And so entering into covenant is not always easy. Sometimes it's messy. It's messy entering into covenants. Look at what happened to Jacob. The Bible says that he wrestled with a man all night to the point whereby his hip got knocked out of socket. Why? Because he was falling in line with what God was saying for his life. He had a word on his life, but he was fighting the word manifesting in his life. So understand this, that there are things that God needs to break in you so that you can finally discover his word on your life. Put those things back up there, please. So what happens is this. Nana is minding his own business living his own life he has not yet discovered that there is a great mandate a calling on his life to do incredible things maybe the word that god has spoken over his life is that nana you will manage a company that will become a fortune 500 company maybe the word on his life is nana what god is going to use you to do is going to change the way business is done in north america maybe the word is nana i see connections to china oh you think i'm playing i see connections to china to middle east to south africa to Australia maybe the word is this is why I've brought you into the world is to change the way the kingdom of God handles finance that's a word on his life someone say amen now that's the word on his life but he's walking around not knowing what the heck God is saying about his life 
So because he has not discovered his purpose, he has not discovered what God has called him to do, he's living his life and walking his life in the dark, not knowing the promises that God has given him. Because he's not allowed some breaking. Because this is how it happens. When God brings a covenant, he gives you a plan. But for that plan to now find place in you, some of you has to leave. So what happens is just as Abraham came into covenant with God and God came into covenant with Abraham, God said, this is the plan that I have, but you must be circumcised. What is your circumcision that God wants to do in you? Is it to give up some aspects of your life before this word can actually enter? You have a plan, but why is it not working? Maybe it's not God's fault. Maybe it's not your haters' fault. Maybe it is you. There are some aspects in you that must die out so that God's plan can find a home in you. Now get this. The moment that God's plans find a home in you, it begins to change the way you live your life. Am I, am I preaching in this place? Am I teaching? It begins to change the way that you live your life. Thank you. Put it down. What begins to happen is this. The moment you know that God has called you to be a Fortune 500 business CEO, it means that your daily operations of thinking change. You don't see yourself as a business that's a startup company. You see yourself as a Fortune 500 CEO, so your daily activities reflect that. So everything you do in life now reflects the promises of God. Am I making sense? So, because this is the word, now it begins to have effect in you. So now this word is now coming in your spirit and it's changing your psyche. So you know what happens? It means that you cannot just talk to everybody. I said all that to say this. You cannot just hang around everybody. You cannot just come into covenant and say, yeah, he's cute so I want to be with him. Do you know the covenant on his life? Maybe it's demonic. Oh, this is not Ruth and Boaz today. You thought it was Ruth and Boaz. You know the story. <laughs> Just stay around. Boaz will come. Yes, we've said it and said it. But what about covenant? What about when he is around and you choose the wrong dude and all of a sudden you're struggling in life and you don't understand why? Because he has a negative covenant that's been spoken over his life. Today we break every negative covenant in the name of Jesus. I said we break every demonic stool in the name of Jesus. It's broken over your marriage. It's broken over your future. It's broken over your next. I wish I had three people that would shout yes. The covenant that God wants to bring you into is a covenant that comes with conditions. The condition for your covenant is that there must be blood. What does that mean? It has to hurt you think circumcision is, what do you think they do when they're children? The Jews, actually the, 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 the Jewish people, they do it when they're 13, the bar mitzvah, when they're 12, 13. And they have to go through that whole process because to them it signifies you coming into manhood. It means that you are not at, now at a level whereby God's true intent and covenant and his promises for your life can now begin to manifest. Now at 13, it now gives way for God's his, his plans to begin to germinate in your spirit. And so you're walking around. You don't know your plans. You don't know what's going on. 
But now, this plan through prayer, through vision, through impartation, through coming to church, through going to see pastor, through doing all these things, through God revealing himself to you, through you falling. Maybe you had to let go of that business. You had to let go of that money. You had to sacrifice that thing. You had to let go of that girl that you really liked. You had to do all of that stuff. You had to leave Ghana and come all the way to Canada. Leave your father and your mother. Then the word that was spoken some 23 years ago now begins to manifest. It begins to work the moment you realize, boom, this is what God has called me to do. So the word now begins to enter your spirit. Put it down. Begins to now enter into you. So now what happens is your mind changes by the renewal of your mind. Your mind changes. Your emotions now reflect your plans. Your vision now reflects your plans. You know what that also means? It also means that now you, you don't go everywhere because you know the plan that is now in you. So what does that mean? That means that no, you won't just go and hook up with a random person at the party because in the first place, you won't be there. Oh, I hope somebody's getting this. It's too much? Oh. I haven't preached for like two weeks. You won't even be at that party. Why? Because you know and understand the promises of God. You know what God has called you to do. So you know that as a part of your conditions, it means that you must be in the presence of God. doesn't mean you can't have fun. But it means that there are some atmospheres that won't bring out the plan of God in your life. So if you know that atmosphere won't bring it out, then why are you there? In fact, the more you go to places that are against the covenant that God has brought you into, the more you become confused. Have you really called me for this thing? Or did you not call me for this thing? Is he really the guy for me or he's not the guy for me? Is this plan the really plan for me? Is that church the real church for me? Is this people the real people? Why are you confused? The reason why you're confused is because you lost sight of the covenant. You lost sight of what God has placed on your life. And so because you understand your covenant, now you don't go everywhere. Now you don't locate anybody. Now what you're doing is that you're understanding your purpose. Now there's something the Bible says that I love so much, Pastor Nana. The Bible says that because now you understand your purpose, it says now you are righteous because you're the righteousness of God. Now the Bible then says that the righteous man, your steps are ordered by God. So it means the places that you go, take two steps to the right, is now ordained by God. Trying to help somebody. So it means that when I take two steps to the left, God has ordained these steps to the left. So now that means that now, hypothetically saying, if we walk all the way and God has ordained us to this place and God has put us into contact with somebody, it then means hold hands. It then means that God has now ordained this. So our prayer is not God, is He the one? It's God. What is my purpose? Because my purpose will lead me to the one. Have I proved my case? Your purpose will lead you to the person. And then at that point is now you begin to say, God, I know my purpose. Now help me understand her purpose or let him understand my purpose. Then after that, God, what is your purpose for us as a unit? Do you understand where I'm going with this? Thank you so much, guys. I clap for them as they go. 
Understand this truth. The fight is over you understanding the covenant that God has brought you into. That's the fight. The enemy wants you to be confused as to what he's called you to do. Be confused as to why you are alive, why you are here, why you are doing this. He wants you to be confused to that. He doesn't want you to actually have a clear picture of where he's brought you to, what he wants you to do. Because the moment that it can be fuzzy, then he knows that he's got you. Because after giving your life to Christ, the second most important decision you'll ever make is who you marry. We always say that being, being who, you, who you marry or who you come into contact with for your life partner is basically like doing this. It's like going into an elevator. It's like going into an elevator. If you go with the wrong person, it will bring you down. If you go to the right person, it will bring you up. Whoever you enter into the elevator with, whoever you enter into life with will determine your trajectory, your altitude, and how far you'll go. Great men of God marry the wrong person and their ministries are stagnant. Great, great businesswoman. They marry the wrong person and they're overworking themselves and they're sad at home. They can't go home because they don't have a great relationship at home. Because they may have understood God's purpose for them, but they may have misunderstood that person's purpose in their life for that relationship. Many of us have made tons of mistakes, tons of mistakes, but that's why this church is here. It's to make sure that even before God helps you to locate the person that he has for you, you understand that even you being there is divinely ordained. I, I want to correct things before they even get to the point. I don't want prayers like, Pastor, is he the one? I want prayers like, Pastor, I've come into contact with an area that I know I've been covenanted to be in. There's, this is an atmosphere that God has ordained. And so because God has ordained this atmosphere, help me understand their purpose. I'm waiting for the day for somebody to come and see me and say, Pastor, I've met somebody. Can you please, what do you think, can you ask God what their purpose is in life? Can, can you help me understand what you've called them to do? So that I know that if our purpose aligns for what you want to do. You know am I making sense here? Come up here, guys. Come up, come up. Come up. Oh, alien. Hold hands. Clap for them. When did you join this church? Uh, October 2016. October 2016. Now, I bet you didn't know in October 2016 that in November 2018, you'd be standing here with your husband. No. All you knew is that, how did you get to this church? Someone invited you? Yep. Someone invited you, you came, just like anybody here, you sat here, just chilled, came to church. Then you started getting involved, and then, you know, all these things. Now, you joining this church, I, I don't think you joined this church coming here with the, the, the mindset that you were coming to locate. No, no I wasn't. Not at all. You were what? I was just hungry for God. So your focus was God. What were you trying to do? You were trying to understand his plan for you. Now, in process of understanding God's plan for you, what happened is that he made you know that you were in the right place. Many of us don't need all this. All we need to know is if we are in the right place. That's all you need to know. If I'm in the right place. Fast forward two years later, after she's joined this church, you know, your eyes begins to do something. One, two, one, two. <laughs> And your spirit is telling you that there was something on the inside of this woman 
that is now is ministering to me in a way that is not just it's not sexual it's not just physical but there is something beyond there is there is there is a deeper aspect in her that I know is actually ministering to my purpose and mine can also minister to hers so now you begin to take it to God in prayer you say God what is your purpose for this relationship and I bet you didn't think that okay it would go this fast it would go this far this is how you would do it but in God's divine plan God not only has set you up as a businessman and a pastor but has given her her own business and now your business now intertwines that's what I call perfect will that is when God gives you somebody that complements your purpose in life it's an understanding of purpose first what has God created you to be what's your purpose in life is to bridge the marketplace with the church. Bridge the marketplace with the church. What's your purpose? Same, like, mix the culture with the kingdom. It's the same thing. To culture, church, kingdom, church. It's the same thing because when God begins to give you something, God will give you the keys and the skills you need to be able to compliment her while she begins to compliment you. This is how covenant and relationships work. Have I made myself clear? Have you understood what I'm trying to say? Give God a good praise. Please be seated. We're going to pray in a sec. I didn't come here to really preach or anything. I, I just wanted you to understand some things because there's a lot of, a lot of uh, misunderstanding when it comes to relationships. When it comes to relationships in the church, when it comes to relationships just in generally in life. We, we fail to understand basic elements of relationships. Basic, basic things. And many times it's just because of an unclear understanding of what we've been called to do on this earth. An unclear understanding then causes us to now engage in conversation, engage in relations prematurely. Because we have not fully understood or even partly understood God's purpose, his understand his, his mandate for our lives individually. And so we're going to spend a few minutes right before we go tonight. And we're just going to pray. I just wanted to open up this forum. I wanted to open up this series tonight by just having us understand the power of covenant. The power of coming into alignment and agreement. And then we'll take it from next week. We'll take it to the next level. Let's be on our feet. I feel destinies shifting here, man. I feel destinies literally shifting in this atmosphere. The reason why many of us fail to understand or fail to fully grasp this concept of relationship like I said, is because we have not un fully understood who we are and what 
we've been created for. That misunderstanding, or that confusion of our purpose, our covenant, has many times led to unhealthy decisions, wrong decisions, decisions that could have been avoided, things that we probably shouldn't have done, things that we shouldn't have considered. But I just love God so much because he works all things out for good. He works all things out for good. I want you to take about 20 seconds right now and just pray to God. And I want you to pray to God for him to reveal more of his plans to you. Show me more of where you're calling me. Show me more of what you want me to do. Show me more. Give me a deeper understanding, a clear understanding of where you're calling me to and what you are calling me to do and why you have called me. Yes, God. Many people are called to change lives, transform lives, but how do you want me to transform lives? What do you want me to do? Come on, let's raise our voices for 20 seconds. Let's, let's get a deeper understanding. Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.